Yeah, cool. Uh, so thanks for joining. Um, this talk is about how ad blockers are being circumvented and basically what we're doing to fight back, um, what are the challenges that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, and then what are we trying to do to, to counter them. A little bit about me. Um, I'm product owner of Anti-Circumvention at IO, which makes Antwerp Plus. Uh, previously, I used to be head of R&D at Barrier Break, which, where I basically tried to use technology for making some solutions for people with disabilities. And before this, I used to work at Opera, um, amongst many things, also being um, PM of the extensions platform. So an entire micro-industry has basically popped up uh, in the last few years, promising to bypass ad blockers. So basically, they go to publishers and say that even if your site isn't on the user's ad blockers whitelist, we can still somehow find a way to show uh, users ads. They generally, if you go to their websites, you'll, you'll say something like, recover blocked ad impressions, or recover your blocked ads, or revenue recovery, or unlock your ads. So this is coming up more as a problem. Back in 2016, um, there was this uh, research paper which analyzed all this. Uh, it says, we found that at least 6.7% of the Alexa top 5K websites engage in some form of anti-ad blocking. We call it circumvention, they call it anti-ad blocking. The arms race has already entered the next level with uh, one of three popular browser extensions, Adblock Plus, Ghost, or Privacy Badger, can evade half of the anti-ad blocking scripts in our data set. This was back in 2016. Best believe in 2019, this has scaled up even more on both sides. So you have more people engaging in this kind of behavior, and there's also increased amount of attention from ad blockers trying to look at this particular problem as well. So what exactly is circumvention? Um, as I said, it's showing users ads by getting around the ad blocker despite them not being on the ad blocker whitelist, uh, either imp implicitly or explicitly. Now, for obvious reasons, this is bad, yes, um, but there are some non-obvious reasons why it's even worse. Um, so to, to talk about this or to think about this, um, let's look at some types of opinions towards ads and ad blockers. So on one hand, you have some people who are just fine with ads. Um, either they don't know about ad blockers or they don't care, or they, as a matter of principle, don't want to use ad blockers. I know a few people like this. Um, on the other hand, on the other extreme, you have people what I call the scorched earth mentality, which is like every, bad is, every ad is bad all the time, and block each and every one of them, don't support any online ads, don't care about publisher revenue. Uh, and this is a spectrum, so there's something in between where it's like, okay, most ads are bad, but not all of them are bad. As long as someone respects me and is not doing annoying stuff, then I'm willing to give them a chance. And there's a lot of uh, movement within the industry to somehow take these ad, um, ad um, companies and try to make sure that they follow some kind of standards or some kind of rules for good behavior, whether it's the Coalition for Better Ads or whether it's acceptable ads or something. So let's take a look at just one of them, called the acceptable ads criteria. So no matter how big and powerful you are, no matter how much money you have, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, at the end, if your ad has to be as part of the acceptable ads criteria, these are the things which are not allowed. You know? And this is not an exhaustive list. These are just some of the things. So animated ads, autoplay ads, uh, expanding ads, overlay ads, pop-ups, pop-unders, all of these things are not allowed, no matter how much influence you have. Now, 
if you can circumvent the ad blocker, you don't have to do any of these things, right? You can do anything you want. You can make your ads as intrusive as possible, as annoying as possible, uh, and generally that's what we've seen. When it comes to circumvented ads, these are the worst of the worst on the web, and they make life miserable for people online. So this is why circumvention is even worse than just what may appear as obvious. So before we go, let's talk a little bit about what, how ad blockers work on a very, very high level. So you have a web page, it has ads, you have a browser extension installed, it's an ad blocker. What it does is it regularly updates from a thing called a filter list, which is a community-maintained list of filter rules, uh, and if that site matches that filter rule, that piece of HTML or whatever is blocked, right? And that's, why, uh, that's how you see a page without the ads. Now, generally, the, the biggest one, uh, community-maintained filter list, is called EasyList. But when it comes to circumvention, uh, we wanted our own list in AVP. Um, so a year ago, we launched the anti-circumvention filter list. It's specifically just to target circumvention. Uh, we wanted to give it a little bit higher privileges as well so that we can do a little bit more complex stuff. And it allows us to react extremely fast to circumvention. So if, if we detect that someone is doing circumvention, we can push out a change, and yeah, it's, it's there instantly. Um, browsers, or sorry, um, users can generally update this by default every 60 minutes, so it's regularly up to date. So as, as we're moving fast towards circumvention and, and, and pushing out these filters, um, CV providers or circumvention providers, they're forced to become faster too. Um, so much so that there's a constant war going on between um, the ad blocker and the CV provider in terms of we, we push out a filter to block their ads, they change their content on the website. We once again push out a filter, they change things. So this keeps on going on and on and on. And they constantly keep an eye on our anti-CV list repo because it's open source, anyone can take a look. So they're constantly keeping an eye. So one example of this was the following where one of, our, um, one of our colleagues who pushes out a lot of filters on a particular ad, uh, on a particular website, when he viewed the source code, he found, he found it, his name or his GitHub username as one of the classes. <laughs> so imagine you go into a website, you view the source code and see your name over there. Um, and this was kind of like, I think, from, the, from that website's end, kind of like a wink-wink uh, nudge to, OK, we know what you're doing now, and this is kind of like we, us acknowledging you. So, this is all about filters, but you know, it's a constant cat and mouse game between ad blockers and circumvention providers. And somewhere in between, this game became more complex. So it's not just about you know, the, the cat chasing the mouse. They just stopped and they started playing chess. So things are becoming a little bit more complex. Um, so now we're going to talk about snippets. Uh, so snippets are basically small JavaScript functions designed to counter one or more circumvention techniques. Uh, generally, they're used when just writing a normal uh, filter isn't enough, so you have to do something more complex. Uh, and a significant amount of the filters in our anti-CV filter list is you know, using snippets. Snippets are also called scriptlets in uBlock Origin, for example. Um, and if you want to take a look at the source code, well, everything is open source, so this is the URL. So let's take a look at a few case studies of what we have to deal with in ad blockers on a daily basis. Right? So, um, there was this one CV provider which didn't even want you to take a look at what they're doing. Right? So what we did was kind of like a jujitsu move using their own energy against them. And I'll explain what I mean by this in the following way. So the CV provider, what they used to do was 
you know, whenever you try to go to the website and open up the developer tools, they used to detect this and basically clean up all their code, remove the ads, so that you cannot even try to understand what's going on. You cannot even debug the code, which is when I, when I found out, I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, so we thought long and hard about this, and then we tried to use their own thing against them. So we developed a snippet which kind of tricks the website into thinking that the developer tools are already open, <laughs> when in fact they're not. So they did the work for us, so they just you know, removed the code themselves. <laughs> so yeah, since then, they've caught on to this, so they no longer do this trick, but it was quite effective and quite funny for us as well. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is something called the abort on property read or abort on property write. Um, typically, a lot of these sites uh, or a lot of these CV providers, they, they want to access a particular property or they want to write to a particular property. So what we do is we kind of know which ones they're looking for, and we made uh, a script to kind of block, uh, block the script or abort the script as soon as we detect that they're trying to read a particular property or write to a particular property. This idea was originally from Ulock Origin, uh, even though our implementation ABP is different than theirs, but the overall idea uh, was from there, and we give credit over here as well as in the source code. And good on them for doing some wonderful work. The next thing that I want to talk about is superfluous element stuffing. So there are a few um, high-profile websites, not just one, but a few, um, which try to get around the fact that you, know, you, you have posts and you have to mention which posts are sponsored. So of course, if, if it's just a normal text, you can just you know, search for that text which, which says sponsored, and that's the end of it. But what they do is they end up stuffing a bunch of elements they break down the word sponsored into different, cat different um, parts, and then they do something like this. So to make things clear a little bit more, um, this is what they do. So as you can see, there are some divs, there are some spans. Um, some of these elements are not going to be visible. So in the end, it will say sponsored visually. But if you look into the source code, you'll find this. right? So how do you deal with this? It's, it's just. You know, something which is really frustrating. It bloats up the page. It doesn't help anyone. So um, this, is a, this is an approach that uh, is going to be there soon in ABP. We're ma still making a few adjustments here and there. But basically what you do is you go through all of these child elements. Um, and first, what you have to do is remove the invisible stuff, stuff that doesn't really, stuff which is what we call decoy elements. So you check for invisible text. You check for opacity zero or font size zero or the alpha channel. Um, you check for display none or visibility hidden or collapse. Uh, and basically, as you go through, you ignore those. You go through the ones which are visible. You take the inner text, and you concatenate them. And then if it says sponsored, then you got your, you know, uh, your sponsored ad. So then you can do whatever you want with it. So this is the kind of stuff that you know, ad blockers always have to deal with daily. But this was still OK. Um, there's another example where someone said that, OK, we have sponsored posts, and we have to make sure that this says sponsored. So instead of text, now they have something where it's just an image, and inside the image, there's text. And it's really bad for accessibility, because it doesn't even have an alt attribute. Um, so they don't care about anything. Even then, it would be OK to detect this. But what they also do is, you see this blank space, that's also an image. 
That's the same PNG image as this one. The only difference is that this is a transparent PNG, so you cannot see this, and the above one is obviously a non-transparent PNG, so you can see that. So it looks a little bit like this. Uh, so it's a data URI, um, and it's going to be really, really difficult to kind of detect what's going to happen over here. And to make things even more complex, they make minor variations in, in the way in which they're serving images. So in this case, for example, this data URI for this visible sponsored image can be any of these three data URIs that you see over here. And the same thing for the decoy labels. It can be any of these things. So we had to look into the PNG spec. We had to do a lot of work. Uh, ultimately, we found out some kind of pattern uh, which was only um, applicable to the visible sponsored image. Um, and then what we did was basically it's just a matter of taking that image, converting it to a base64, looking for that pattern and matching it. If it does, then bingo. We finally have our PNG ad label, and then we can do you know, the blocking. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we have to do with you know, um, circumvention on a daily basis over here. So let's look at some gaps and challenges that we have. Um, so when it comes to this, um, we, you know, when it comes to circumvention, the effort is being fought on multiple fronts. It's not just one thing. Um, so we have people who are working on kind of reverse engineering what they're doing, you know, people who are hardcore JavaScript people. Then there's filter list authors who are pushing out filters um, you know, on an hourly basis. Um, and then there's many other things that I'll talk about in the next few slides. On the other hand, even though we have some really smart people uh, working for us um, to kind of deal with this situation, they also have some really smart people on their end, and they're willing to go through many creative lengths to get around the ad blocker. So it's, uh, it's a daily challenge to keep up with what they're trying to do. Um, and as I said, this, this thing is being fought on a multiple levels, and not just a technical level. Um, Recently, um, there's this landmark Supreme Court case. Basically, uh, what some publishers wanted to do was to kind of argue that ad blocking itself is illegal. Uh, and they you know, went through the lower courts, the higher courts, and ultimately to the Supreme Court. And Adblock Plus was at the vanguard of this um, and basically argued that you know, it should be legal. And the Supreme Court uh, of Germany actually said that, yes, it is actually legal. And you know, it's totally OK to use ad blockers and do ad blocking. So yeah, when it comes to fighting you know, circumvention providers or publishers, a lot of times what you have is not just people using technical approaches, but sometimes these kind of legal approaches as well. Um, gaps and challenges. Um, so apart from this thing, one more thing uh, is the fact that in Firefox, you have an API called the Content Scripts API which means that you can have a reliable way for the, extension to, for the extension to run always before the site's code, uh, which is actually good in, in forwarding a lot of these circumvention things. But in Chrome, you don't have an equivalent API, so there's no reliable way um, to guarantee that the extension scripts always runs before the site scripts. Um, so that's that. But there's also the Chrome Manifest v3 situation uh, where there are some significant architecture changes which might be coming to Chrome extensions, uh, which could impact, or which will impact, actually, a lot of ad blockers. So you know, there are some things which are welcome. Um, the background page, 
architecture might be replaced by a service worker, which is good. There's a switch to a promise-based API instead of a callback-based API, which is also good. But there are some major changes to the blocking portion of web request API. So this is the, this is the uh, part of the extensions API which allows you to block a network request. And this is something which is going to be or it at least is announced to be changed. Um, instead, they'll have a declarative rule-based blocking instead, which is there in, I think, Apple. Um, but it's from most of the ad blockers, if you read their opinion, it's still not in a good enough shape right now. Um, and updating the rules from the filter list might require a whole new version release. So right now, if you want to update the rules in EasyList, all you have to do is just update the EasyList, right? It's, it's there. But if you have to do this in this new V3 thing, then it might be the case that if you, up, if you have to update your filter list, then you have to do a whole new extension release uh, where you send in your extension to the Chrome Web Store once again, it gets moderated, and then it get, gets released. And if you have to do this each and every day, multiple times a day, it's going to be impractical. Um, so we worked together um, across ad blockers, so Adblock Plus, Adblock, um, um, AdGuard, Ghostry, uh, and two easy list authors, Monsan Fanboy, as, as well as Malwarebytes, we gave the Chrome team feedback on what are the things that we would like to be there in V3, what are the changes that we would like. Uh, it seems that the Chrome team is taking a look and, and kind of evaluating all of this. But at the same time, there's, oh, there's a question mark over here on what do they really want to do? What, what is the... Um, what is the end goal when it comes to uh, ad blocking and you know, when, it, when it comes to V3, what exactly do they want? What, what is the quality that they want in, in terms of ad blocking? Um, there's, there's this performance argument that, okay, you know, we want to make these changes because we want to make things a little bit more performant. Um, there's the security argument as well. But at the same time, when it comes to ad blockers, if the effectiveness of ad blockers is harmed, you know, circumvention will rise once again. And if that happens, then everyone will be just in a really, really bad situation. So when it comes to this, I'll just end with um, this recently released W3C Tag Ethical Web Principles um, document, which is something that every browser maker, should, everyone should read, but especially all the browser makers should read. Um, it says that people should be able to render content as they want. Users should be able to install style sheets, assistive browser extensions, blockers of unwanted content, or scripts or autoplayed videos. Through technologies such as browser extensions, people must continue to be able to change web pages according to their needs. So with this, I would say, I think this is a pretty good way to end the, the talk. If you have any questions regarding all of this, uh, I'm here uh, after this talk and tomorrow as well. So I'll just say thank you so much.